Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today on Barca Talk, we continue our rewatchable series as we break down the Clasico from the 2015-2016 La Liga season. This classic game is marked by Luis Suarez's brace, a goal by Neymar, and a golazo by Andres Iniesta. As always, we discuss the players that made the game special, nostalgic moments, and analyze the goals. Hello and welcome to Barca Talk. I'm Gabriel Quiroga, your host in Madrid, Spain. We are doing rewatchables of classic FC Barcelona games. Today, we'll be talking about the first Clásico during the 2015-2016 season. And with me to talk about it, my partner in crime here from Miami, Alejandro Villegas. Alejandro, ¿qué tal? Good, man. How are you? Still hot? I, I like that of a partner in crime, especially with Miami and all. We sound like uh, bad boys, partner in crime. <laughs> bad boys for life, right? Like yeah. the, the, the retired version, you know? <laughs> How are you doing over there? Yeah, we're good. I mean, like I told you, we're not taking it seriously enough, but you know, no. it is what it is. So it's not yeah. in our hands. What's in our hands is just trying to stay home as long as possible, and that's what we're doing. How, what about you? Yeah, I mean, we just, you know, we have till the 26th, and the rumor here is that it's going to be extended till May 10th. I'm just hoping that they allow us after the 26th to just, like, walk around a little bit more, because yeah. I think all of us here, just talking with my friends here in Madrid, we are just kind of amping to get out. You know, we I see... My American friends, you know, they have backyards. I'm very yeah, jealous right. of this right now, you know. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is, like you said, and we just got to stay home, and hopefully this will pass soon. And, you know, you have the, as they say here in Spanish, ilusión, right? Like the yeah. the summer. Yeah, hope. Uh, yeah, the hope for the summertime, the beach, the travel, and that type of thing. So that's what's kind of keeping me in check. So, All right. Yeah. All right, well, before we get into the rewatchables, there is some news. And I, and I tweeted this out, you know, Alejandro. Even during a global health <laughs> crisis pandemic, Barca continues to make news and not the good kind, you know? Yeah. And yeah, so this week came out that six board members resigned. This on Thursday. And this is to me is continues to be so baffling that you cannot trust Bartomeu at all. He's a snake oil salesman because the thing that he's able to get away <laughs> with is incredible. Did you hear about this? Yeah, yeah. We actually we talked about it in our ADN Barça episode, okay. which is in Spanish. I talked about it with uh, Mariana Guzman. We have all the details there. But it's it's so crazy that I mean we've seen a lot of news about just uh, board members going against players or or the Barça gate and and we're like even during this time, like you said, they can't stop and all right, let's get together, let's try to be a team, let's try to be a family in this particular hard time not only for barcelona but for the entire planet yeah and they just keep doing it and and i heard an interview i listened to an interview of the vice president which one yeah. uh, which was one of the guys that resigned and he was saying how bartomeo called him and they talked about the pandemic like we just did and then the next time he's like all right i need you to resign and he was like what <laughs> <laughs> you're doing this like in holy week and yeah. in, in the middle of a pandemic and you're thinking about just uh, a reform in the board of directors, I mean, it's just, I, I just, I said it at the Barça and I said it again here, Bartomeu needs to get out. That's yeah. it. That's yeah, all I'm going to sure. say. I mean, just in the last month with the continued news against Messi and with the social media campaign that he, he obviously, I mean, you know, when you read about it, it just seems that he used Barca money to pay for this you know, this media company do this and yeah. all the things that you just line up in a row, he has to go, you know, and this summer there has to be a vote because the things, the way that it's continued, 
with the way that they treated the players with the pay cut and the way everything has just been spin in the media f- coming out of the board, you know? We need a new president now. I saw the rumors that Sandro Rossell wants to run again, and I'm not going in that direction. <laughs> we need someone new, you know, with a new vision, but that thinks globally with the team. And because now I also read too, and also in the news here, that Bartomeu is only concerned about not the long-term view of the club because he knows his time is running out and just yeah. what's going to happen this summer. So that means he's going to possibly just try to get high price players just to plug in and try to save one more season. Yeah, and that's the negative part. And that's one of the things that the, uh, these six members were talking about in their, they, they wrote something down for the press. And th- they said, okay, he's not thinking about, we, because we have to readapt after this pandemic. We, yeah. we can't be the same team just spending, I don't know, 100 millions in one player. We have to find a way of maybe investing that money in La Masia or maybe doing something different because it, w- the world's going to change and, and the world of soccer is going to change too. And Barcelona is obviously one of the most important teams in the world and they, they're already facing financial problems and they have to find a different way of doing things. And they are seeing that Bartomeu is not going that way. Like you said, he's just trying to save his his last season, trying to get another Champions League, doing whatever it takes. And that's probably going to just bring Barcelona as a club. And, and as we have said before, Barcelona's masculine club. So we have to find a way to do things differently, not just being the Real Madrid-like, just spending money and yeah. just throwing money around. No. Let's focus and let's do things differently. And I, what I'm seeing is that's not going to happen anytime soon with Bartomeu there. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's absolutely insane. Just the thing is, you know, especially in this moment, as we're recording, this world health crisis going on. And there's just still this telenovela thing that's going on every yeah. single day. I just cannot get over it. I can't get over it. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be more news that's going to come out of this because especially since these board members are talking, mm-hmm. basically, you know, they're not afraid to talk anymore because they have nothing to lose, you know? And so more information is going to come out from that. Yeah, for sure. And, and one of them said that they, they were taking even, they were even taking money from the club, just like yeah. pocketing money. So that's, it's going to be, it's going to be ugly, even yeah. uglier than what it is right now. All right, so after this break, we're going to dive into this classic rewatchable. All right, so let's get into this classic rewatchable, the 2015-2016 Clásico that was played in the Santiago Bernabéu. And this was November 21st, uh, to be specific, 2015. This was a La Liga match. And basically, this is the match that got Rafa Benitez fired. Yeah. And, you know, rewatching this game, we're going to talk about all these moments, you know, after the end of the season, what happened. But when Real Madrid appointed Rafa Benitez... What was your first impression with this hiring? Well, I think it was a very good hiring for them. I think it was a guy that could really match what the Real Madrid is about. He was a serious guy. I remember he reminded me a lot of Vicente del Bosque, you know, a guy uh-huh. that's really quiet, really calm, but that does his work quietly and, and it's very good at what he does. So I thought that Real Madrid was going in the right direction because especially after coming from, I don't know, Mourinho or this type of uh, guys that are just yeah. explosive and there's just so much negativity going around. This guy looked like, all right, he came here just to work, not to be a showman. So that's that's the first impression that I got from them. Well, to be honest, I was as a Barca fan, I was extremely happy because I don't <laughs> think he's that good of a manager. I think okay. he's really good for mid-level clubs to bring them to a higher thing. Like but when he, got hi- yeah, when he got hired to Real Madrid, I selfishly was like, yes, this is a great hire <laughs> because I don't think... He does, this is one of the things, like you just said, he's a hard worker. Yeah. He wasn't a great player when he you know, was coming up through the ranks. He had to really work hard. He thought about his managerial direction. And so he started thinking about tactics and went that route. But again, when you are managing a Galactico team, you have to be a big personality as well. Because that's ultimately what happened with this team. They just lost respect for Rafa Benitez from the beginning. Let me just give you one quick antidote about Rafa Benitez here in Madrid. <laughs> so... This is like two months into the campaign, they're training, and Rafa Benitez went up to Ronaldo and he said, hey, you might want to try taking the free kicks a little bit this way and try to change up a little bit with your approach and maybe you might get more goals on target. And Ronaldo just looked at him and he's like, what? You know? So anyway, he walks away. And from that day, Ronaldo started calling him number 10. Really? Because, yeah, basically saying that, who are you to tell me what to do? You've never played. You're not any good. And the rest of the team started calling him Yes. And so from that point on, 
they just completely lost respect yeah. for him. The, okay. He lost control of the locker room. Even though he, he was right because Ronaldo was just of course. Not, not very good uh, with free kicks. I mean, he was decent, but he could have been way better, especially the way that he kicked the ball. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and that's the thing, you know. You know, I was always taught, you know, when I was young to always respect the coach, no matter at what yeah, level. No matter you who dis- he is. Yeah. Exactly. If you disagree, but at least take some advice. It just doesn't listen matter. And you, you, you take it or not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but also just have respect, you know, yeah, especially yeah. at this level. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason why he got hired. But again, I just think also he had to, at that point, prove to him, you know, especially the locker room that he was the alpha dog and he didn't. And the rest of the, that season with Rafa was just in chaos and they just lost respect for him. Yeah, and this game, this particular game, is probably the, the that that last point when all right, we are not where we're supposed to be yeah. with these guys, so that's it. Because uh, before Messi got injured, actually Real Madrid was leading La Liga. Yeah, but then Messi got injured, and Barca just played six great games right before El Clasico, and they took the the lead back, and that particular point just getting crushed by Barcelona at home. I think that was just too much for, yeah. for Real Madrid. Yeah, the writing was on the wall, especially. Yeah. So, again, I, I always like to defer to you and Cole when, when we're doing these because I just like to get your perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, why did you pick this game to do the rewatchable? Because I think this is more of a dominant uh, performance than the 2-6. We talked about the 2-6 in the Carlos uh-huh. Puyol uh, episode. And that was great. That was awesome. But like we said then, it was a particularly even game through mm-hmm. the 60th minute and then he got just got away for Barcelona but this this one I think it's just uh, 75 or 80 minutes of just Barcelona being dominant against Real Madrid at Bernabeu so I think uh, and I'm gonna tell you my uh, my little anecdote with the game in a little bit sure. but I didn't watch it live because okay. I was working and when I rewatched it I was like Oh my God! I just missed maybe the best performance of this <laughs> Luis Enrique team. So yeah. that that's why I picked this particular game because it, this is one I remember because of that. Nice. I mean, it's funny because, like you said, we were you know Messi was injured six weeks prior, yeah. So we had to do something, and this proves to me that we can win without Messi, but we have to have the right people and the right tactics, right? And when that comes together good things will happen. And that's really what it's about, right? You know, coaching is about putting these players in the best position possible and just getting a win, and we were able to do that. Now, I was watching this game live, but I watched it by myself. This was, I think, the first uh, year when I was coming back from Madrid, and I just got the Movistar package, which is the cable package here. So I had the sports, and I was watching at home, and I just didn't want to be bothered. And I think we were already (laughs) starting with the podcast as well, so I was taking notes, and I was, you know, into the game. And I just remember watching, and I was just, you know... It's always different when you watch it by yourself and yeah. with other people, right? When you're watching by yourself, you know, I get excited and so forth. But at the same time, I, I'm, it's almost like a – it's like business. You know, I'm like, yes, goal, sweet, you know? Yeah, you're analyzing the game and not exactly. talking to whoever's there. Yeah. Exactly. And I was on Twitter, so I was tweeting and just seeing the response. But then when that Iniesta goal happened, <laughs> I jumped out of my sofa because when you – you could see it lining up, you know? And the way he hit it, yeah. I jumped up so – Again, this game for me is one of those moments, like you said, dominance, and it's. I would say it's like one of the one of the last keystone games for Lucho in his in his Barca career. Right, right, yeah. Because uh, right after the the Champions League final, they won against Juventus. He didn't win it again. So yeah, this exactly. Probably, this could be. I mean, they still won La Liga and, and the Copa del Rey this year. But I mean, this game, this particular game, I think this is probably the last great version of, of this team so yeah I agree with you and and I, I'm gonna tell you my, my little anecdote I was actually right. broadcasting a baseball game here in Miami I was working and obviously I couldn't watch the classic because I, yeah, I had to watch the, the game that I'm broadcasting <laughs> so once uh, the, the the guy that's just calling the game he's like oh just check uh, how's the classical going I'm like okay so once I, I Google it, it's like zero four. I'm like, what? what? Zero four. <laughs> so that was a. I was like, yes. Obviously, I couldn't say that live. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I was like, yes. So right after the game, the baseball game, I just went to watch the highlights, and I had that same impression with the Iniesta goal. I was like, oh my god, this is even. I mean, it, I think this is his best goal. <laughs> Taking aside the, the Stamford Bridge and the uh, World Cup goal, those were okay. They were good goals because of the meaning. But this goal is just, oh my god. What yeah, a great goal! Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, we'll diagnose a little bit more in the later episode, in the later part of this episode. But let's get into some of the news prior to this match. So, 
This was the first time two Spanish managers were facing each other since the 2008-2009 Clasico. And we kind of did a quick Google search. So Pep was the manager for Barcelona. Mm -hmm. Who was the manager for Madrid? Uh, Juan de Ramos was there. Uh, he replaced Bernd Schuster at that point. So, yes, he was... He was not very for a very long time there in in Madrid. He was coming from Sevilla. He he was mm -hmm. he was known more of a of a coach for Sevilla at that point. But yes, he was part of the uh, those years where yeah. Real Madrid just brought so many different guys: <laughs> Schuster, Capello, I don't know if you yeah. Capello, and, yeah. and then uh, Ancelotti, Mourinho, yeah, yeah. all those guys. Rafa Benitez, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They just that was like a stopgap guy, you know. He yeah, just yeah. came in really quick just to finish the season. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, the big news coming into this Clasico was Messi, right? Messi was out. He got a knee injury six weeks prior. And, you know, when he got that knee injury, you know, everyone just started saying, oh, my God, is he going to be available for the Clasico? Mm -hmm. What's going to happen? And what essentially happened to prior to that was that Lucho changed the team dynamic and basically switched to a 4-4-2. And I thought it was a really great move. Because not only did we get used to playing that five games prior to the Clasico, mm -hmm. but all of a sudden Madrid just didn't know how to face us when we played this game. So, you know, the big news obviously was was Messi going to play and he did come in as a second half sub in this match. Yeah, but that, that was a question because how do you prepare a game if you don't know? I mean, it's a different game if Messi is starting than if Sergi Roberto is starting. Of yeah, course. for sure. And and that I think that was the first great move by by Luis Enrique not not to risk Messi who's just coming he he just got in shape to to be in El Clasico and maybe if the game was even he he doesn't even put him because why why risk him if he's not ready for the rest of the season so I think that was that was a a bold move because you have Messi there he's ready to play he probably wants to play but. They they probably talked about it, and you can see they talked about it because he only played 30 minutes, and that that's mm -hmm. about when, when somebody plays 30 minutes, it's because he talked to the coach. I mean, that was just prearranged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially the way the, the the game was going. I mean, Barcelona just crushing Real Madrid by that time. So I think not having Messi also showed that Neymar could uh, could be that star right after Messi left, and that, I think that was my feeling back then. All right, this is Neymar time. And it was. The, the mm -hmm. Barcelona played yep. great, uh, and Neymar played great uh, at that point. Too bad that he decided to leave right <laughs> after that. <laughs> exactly. And not only Neymar, but Suarez, the two of them playing yeah, yeah. and picking up the load, especially during that six-week span. Now, obviously, this match, because when we were watching the match, um, you know, they do the tribute beforehand for the mm -hmm. Paris attacks. This was literally, you know, about seven days right after those Paris attacks in 2015. And so that was a really nice... Um, you know, ceremony they kind of did before all the whole team with all the coaches lined up prior. And so that was uh, a significant point as well. Now, let's look at the lineups. Uh, this is double take section. Uh, let's start off with the Real Madrid lineup. We had Kaylor Navas, Danilo, Varane, Ramos, Marcelo, James, Cruz, Modric, Bale, Benzema, and Ronaldo. And for Barcelona, we had Bravo, Alves, Pique, Mascherano, Alba, Rakitic, Busquets, Iniesta, Roberto, Suarez, and Neymar. So with the starting eleven, any double takes for you? Danilo, man. Yeah. <laughs> Danilo. It's like, uh, and and even Carvajal came in because Marcelo w was injured at some point during the game. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, this is when they realized Danilo can't play here in Real Madrid yeah. because you saw him and he was just not good defending, not even good going to attack. What are you? Wh what's Danilo doing here? And I think yeah. that's that's my double take for sure. And then also having. Mascherano starting again in the in the central defense, even though he had Mate, Matthew and Vermalin mm -hmm. available in the bench. And how how good was Mascherano, even though he was a righty, to just, oh no, we're going to go with two righties and I don't care because Mascherano yeah, is yeah. El Jefe and he's going to be there. Yeah. But definitely Danilo has to be my, my double guest. And maybe, maybe James because even though he was very good at that point, but when you watch it right now, you're like, man. Hamis was the number 10 guy for Correct. this team. And now yeah. he's just not Nowhere. good anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I would, you know, again, I would agree with you with the Danilo take. I, for me, he's a Copa del Rey player, you know, like yeah. he's the yeah, player. Like you a put in the, yeah, you put in the Copa del Rey campaign. But in the Clasico against the Stars, like you said, he was abysmal. And when I was reading the reviews of this match, both from the Madrid point of view and the Barca point of view, the first person that came out in, the, in both both sides was Danilo. It was, you know, obviously Madrid uh, dreading, you know, his defending and also his passing. Again, when I look at the the our lineup or our bench, like you said, Vermalen and Mateo, like they don't have any speed. 
on the center back pairing, you know? Yeah. And obviously, Mascherano does get hurt in this match, has to come out. Mateo does a very good job. Yeah. I mean, he was always really good in the air because he's tall. So that really helped us against Madrid because he did clear a lot of balls, but obviously, he was not a Barca-type defender with his feet, right? He had, he was a really strong defender in the air, but other things he was just not good at. Yeah, yeah. And especially because, well, I think if you count the Real Madrid attacks just before the, the 70 minutes, it's, mm -hmm. they, they didn't really come close to the goal that much. So the only way they tried to do so was trying to get long balls and all that. And that was perfect for Piqué and Mateo. So th I think that's, that's why he didn't suffer that much in this game because Real Madrid wasn't even uh, doing what they do best, which is trying to get together and, I don't know, Bale, Ronaldo, Benzema, and get together to find a play. No, they were just crossing and yeah, crossing and crossing. crossing yeah. and, and Piquet and Matthew were like, all right, just, That's let's, fine, just, yeah. let's just clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, and the other one for me, I think, was Bravo. Again, I just, I know he was serviceable, but again, now knowing we have Ter Stegen, yeah. it's just crazy to me that... Ter Stegen was on the bench, yeah. I know he was on the bench, but you're telling me that in practice, Ter Stegen wasn't lighting <laughs> it up, you know? a good Enough to start, you know? Yeah. Because, yeah, he was young, and he was doing Champions League campaign in this season. But, I mean, I just think he's just overall physically just so much more imposing. There's a couple of times where Bravo mishandles a cross. Mm. He's starting to lose confidence this season a little bit. You can yeah. kind of see it. And... Yeah, he was really good, you know, for us for those two years. But again, I just can't imagine, especially during practice and training, <laughs> you're not seeing Ter Stegen just light it up with the passing and on top of the physical gifts that he has. Yeah, maybe they didn't want to just put some much pressure on the young Ter Stegen at that point, even though Champions League, you have a lot of pressure. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know, maybe since La Liga is more of a weekly competition that you have to be, stay focused and the pressure yeah. just keeps growing maybe they they wanted claudio bravo to do that transition season and i think that's that's what this season was because yeah, yeah. i mean he was still good uh, under the goal he had a couple saves a couple good saves in this game yeah. but yeah you can see uh he, he was suffering a little bit when real madrid was pressuring And you see those mishandles that he was calling for a foul, and we're like, no, there's nobody there right by you. So <laughs> you just missed it. But yeah, yeah. I, I see what you're saying, but I still love Claudio Bravo, and he's my goalie. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go into the tactics. Now, I thought this was really fascinating because, like I just kind of mentioned before, you know, Lucho went to a 4-4-2 mm -hmm. prior to these games to get the team, you know, ideally knowing where their positioning was. But I honestly think, especially nowadays, this is the formation we should be using with two proper forwards. I mean, you saw Neymar and Suarez. Not only were they spacing the center backs of Varane and Ramos away, mm -hmm. but they were crisscrossing. There was times where Neymar was on the right and Suarez was on the left and vice versa. And I honestly think that could really, really work now even better especially since we have Griezmann and Suarez or Griezmann and Bartwhite, right? And again... The, the X factor in this 4-4-2 was Sergio Roberto, hands down. Yeah, and it's it's crazy because we we see him now as a as a right back, but he came up as a midfielder at that point, and this is probably the, his best game. Uh, he actually makes the the first play to to that ended up in a goal, but he's so good at just recognizing spaces and just going to it. And I think that's 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 a that's definitely a responsibility of Luis Enrique's work because he trusted this younger Sergio Roberto and he's like, all right, you're gonna be on the right side with Dani Alves, but helping also in the midfield, uh, helping guard Marcelo and, and Cristiano Ronaldo on the left mm -hmm. side too when when they're attacking, and it's it's just great. And since I mean they were they didn't know if 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 it was gonna be Messi or Sergio Roberto, so. This Sergio Roberto move, I think it was it was great and it was a good idea by Luis Enrique and and it showed at the end. Obviously, you have the final result, but it's also uh, a good uh, look at what Sergio Roberto could have been if he didn't mm -hmm. have Iniesta, Xavi, and so much talent uh, in front of him in in Barcelona. So I think he's he's much more better than than what he is now because he's playing in a right back and in a different position when he doesn't feel comfortable. Uh, whereas when he plays in going closer to the goal, you can see more of his talent. And even though he missed, he missed a couple of shots too because he sure. had he had a couple of chances. I remember one a, a pass from Rakitic that he was just in the penalty kick area and he just shot it away. Just it, yeah. yeah, but even though 
he he didn't had a, a goal that day. He he had a very good game. Yeah, I think it's twofold, right? I think it's having the Danny Alves to because in this game he didn't go up front that much, right? Mm-hmm. And I think there was that understanding where he was a fullback and a midfielder, and Sergio Roberto was a midfielder and at forward sometimes on that right side. Yeah. But the main thing was they kept their discipline, especially for this one game. Mm-hmm. And you can see that, like you said, Sergio Roberto was tracking back, Danny Alves was back there, and I think this is ultimately Sergio Roberto's best position, playing on that far right in this type of formation, mm-hmm. where he's not the last line of defense, right? but he can still free roam and like he did in this game. He was going through the middle, and the players that were defending him had no idea <laughs> what to do, how to stop him, right? And then all of a sudden you had Iniesta crisscrossing the other way, and all of a sudden just creates this chaos. Now, again, I always point to the two-striker formation and have Messi mm-hmm. playmake behind him. I think that would be golden right now. Now, let's talk about the Real Madrid formation. Now, you know, in in some uh, articles I was reading, they were saying 4-3-3. But in, in, in the television version, the other one, they kind of went more with a 4-2-3-1. And kind of just looking at the game and stuff, I would agree with the 4-2-3-1. Mm-hmm. So they had one, the top point, they had Benzema, right, as a top point. Yeah, and, and he was running had, the entire game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just behind the ball. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And then they had Hamas as the number 10, and then yeah. they had Ronaldo and Bale on the on either side. And, you know, on paper, on paper, right, you just look at this and you're like, how can they not even have quality shots? I mean, they had one good shot with the Ronaldo breakaway, mm-hmm. and I think Hamas had a good shot from outside the box. But other than that, they didn't do anything. They didn't have ball. They also didn't seem to have any chemistry. It was like, oh, who's this guy on my left? Who's yeah. this guy on this right? That's what I, that's what I noticed because you have three great players in James who is coming from the greatest uh, World Cup he could have had with Colombia. Uh-huh. Then you have Bale they, they paid so much money for. And then you have Ronaldo. So you have three superstars by that yeah. point. And they are not connecting like Sergio Roberto, Iniesta, and I don't know, whoever, Rakitic yeah. were. So I think that's that's a good point because you can bring as many stars as you want. But if you don't have a team, that's just not going to work. And we see that in this Real Madrid version. Yeah, it's a good point. And we'll t- I want to talk about that point a little bit later, but a little bit more. But you're mm-hmm. right. You know, it's, it's all about the chemistry. And, we, you know, especially when we had Neymar, Messi, and Suarez playing together at their mm-hmm. height, you could just see that they were looking for each other. They would have a little bit of flair. And they just knew ahead of time where to go. When I think about this lineup of, you know, Bale, Benzema, and Ronaldo, especially without Hamas, because Hamas kind of came in and out, depending on the manager. Those three, they had some nice goals, but when I think of their goals, it's just more about uh, clinical finishing by their part and Mm 1v1 rather than a combo play that was just gorgeous. And that is the difference, right? Like when you are playing with these superstars, you still have to have the chemistry to ultimately score goals and in this match, like I said, they just looked like they had never played with each other. Yeah, because Real Madrid was, it, I mean, they've always been more of a direct type of player. Mm-hmm. All right, let's just two passes and let's score. And this these three guys were perfect for that. Benzema, Bale, and Ronaldo, they're fast, they're good. They they're, they have a lot of technique stuff that they can do. Yeah. So they're perfect for that purpose. But like you said, they're not Neymar, Messi, and Suarez just doing like awesome plays. They are like, oh my God, so yeah, this yeah, yeah. is... This is what a superstar team should look like. But yes, I mean, it depends on what you like. I mean, Barca fans like more of a just touch, touch, and have a great play all together and score a great goal by the entire team. team and Real yeah. Madrid is just, all right, let's just score and score and score goal, whatever yeah. it takes. So it depends yeah. on what what you like. Now let's go through some of the key stats. So the Barca, Barca had a possession of 58% to Madrid's 42 and Barca had 14 shots with seven shots on target. Madrid had 10 shots with seven shots on target. So, again, looking at that, you know, obviously a lot of shots for both teams. Fouls, Barca had 10, and, of course, Madrid had 14. <laughs> Saves, Barca had seven, Madrid had three. And yellow-red cards, Barca had two yellows, and Madrid had three yellows and one red. And, of course, Ramos had a yellow card as well. Yeah, and that, <laughs> there's one yellow card that I want to point out because it was okay. Danny Alves. The game was 0-1. Yeah, there's a counter attack, and Ronaldo has the ball, and Danny Alves just stays in front of him and just tackles him. Yeah, and, and that's remember when we uh, when we talked about Pujol just getting that card in the exact necessary yeah. moment, and this moment was one of them because it was a it was a counter, it was a dangerous. It could have been the the tying goal for Real Madrid, and Alves was like, nope, I'm not risking it. I'm getting my card, and that's it. And again, there was a red card by Isco in this match. And what what stat for you pops out in, when looking at this, well, if any? 
yeah, listening to all the shots, I think Real Madrid had a lot of shots, but when when you watch the game, you're like, okay, Barca could have won like two eight or something because yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. missed. I mean, they so didn't many. miss because sometimes even Marcelo saved one right under the goal. Yeah, and then Varane Suarez, Varane uh, saved yeah. one. Suarez missed one. To Munir missed one just by himself <laughs> oh at the my end. Gosh. And, I mean, there were so many chances for Barcelona that you're like, man, I wish they would have just scored six or seven yeah. because that would have been the, just awesome just watching Real Madrid fans just suffering so much for that. And, of course, Barcelona fans enjoying scoring so many goals at Bernabeu. But I think it's, it's that, that, like, they had so many shots, but I feel like Barcelona was so much dangerous than, than Real Madrid when shooting the ball. And I think that's that's a that's that, that can be a little bit misleading sometimes yeah i would agree with that because yeah you look at this stat and you're like wow madrid had a lot of opportunities but they really didn't right the shots they usually had were from outside the box mm -hmm. where bravo could usually stop them you know they did have a lot of corner kicks yeah. um so they were dangerous but for the most part you felt pretty confident that madrid was not going to score as often obviously as as barcelona and Bar like you said I really wish, I mean, this is one of the things that I, I feel sometimes we're lacking is just to keep going for more goals because I think sometimes, you know, especially in this match, I, I really wish they could have, you know, put the pedal to the metal a little bit and won 6 nothing or 5 nothing yeah, because just to have that. When you know? see, okay, you're 3-0 and Messi comes in, they get the fourth, yeah. you're like, okay, we're going to get Let's four more. more because yeah, yeah, yeah. they were so, so much of a better team than Real Madrid and I, I feel the same way with you. Uh, then uh, they should have just scored more goals that day because they were the best team by far against Real Madrid, and they respected a little bit. They they just uh, you know let's just touch yeah, the ball, no. get the ball, and whatever. <laughs> but and that's why when you see Piqué, I mean the game zero four, Munir misses this goal by himself, and Piqué's just livid. I mean they're yeah. they're just killing Real Madrid at Bernabeu, and Piqué's like, no, we want the zero five because that's a that's a great result, and that would have been historic for for Barca doing that again at Bernabeu, and it just didn't happen. But, I mean, I'm glad they, they won the when they won, but I, I just wish they could have scored more goals. Yeah, again, you know, it's it's fine with respect, but again, yeah. in this moment, just go for the goals. And like you said, you know why he was upset? Because he wanted to flash yeah, five, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. PK was ready to flash, especially five, because man. he was he was booed the entire time. Oh yeah, it was oh, yeah. it was at that point when he was booed all over Spain. Yeah, and and this was a one of those matches that was really hard since the first time he touched the ball, he was yep. just getting booed, and and I think it would have been just perfect for him just to you know what you booed me and here are five, <laughs> five. for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. So let's go to nostalgia corner. Um for the first thing I want to talk about is just the pressing defense. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously this is with the age of the of the team, I understand, but again, it's just one thing to see. I think this is one of the last seasons that we really see the team completely that we have right now just pressing together as a team because you know, it led to a goal. And not only that, but Madrid was very uncomfortable trying to go up the middle with their midfield because our our forwards, Neymar and Suarez, were actually pressing on defense. Yeah. And and you have, because you have a, a Real Madrid team that in paper, like you said, looks good. All right, these guys can try to get the ball today and let's, they're probably going to try to bring the ball from the back and not just go from this for the straight goal. And they just couldn't. You see uh, Danilo just, okay, I don't have anything to do. I'm just going to get a... A long ball and you see Ramos doing the same you see uh, Navas doing the same with all this high pressure and it's awesome to watch uh, just Neymar helping in defense and Suarez he's all, he always does it but you know what frust uh, frustrates Suarez when he doesn't have two people by him just doing the same he's like all right come <laughs> yeah. on guys and yeah. in this game you had Sergio Roberto pressing up uh, Rakitic, Iniesta Rakitic, was sliding yeah. tackle and Busquets. recovering balls. Busquets was faster. So, yes, yeah. I mean, we obviously enjoy it, and that's what we we always want to watch. And, of course, it's not possible now because of age and the players that we have, but it's yeah. definitely uh, uh, something that we miss, that high pressure and recovering the ball fast and not letting the other team just think too much with the ball. Just They were losing, and they were so frustrated and we took the ball from them, which which was even worse for them. And and I think that's that's something that it's perfect for this nostalgic corner. Yeah, and the other thing too is you know we did uh, I did a rewatchables with uh, Cole with the the uh, Bayern Munich game, mm -hmm. and um, we were talking about how in that moment Messi had to carry the team with the two goals. Yeah, 
because Neymar and Suarez didn't show up. I mean, we won 3 nothing. Neymar scored in that goal. But mm-hmm. during the whole match, Neymar and Suarez were really not that good. Mm-hmm. But in this match, the opposite. I think they had a point to prove that they can carry the team, especially without Messi and Messi being injured. And they were able to do that. I mean, again, I like to use the word enchufado. Mm-hmm. They were completely plugged, plugged in. in. Yes. Not only, yeah, not only attacking, but also defensively that they wanted the ball. Now, the other nostalgic corner I have for you is tactical adjustments. I mean, wow, what an idea, you know. Uh, this is one of the things that Lucho was good at, was making, you know, moves before the match to get an advantage. And obviously with Valverde, we didn't see that <laughs> that often. And obviously with Kike Setien, we thought we were going to see that, but we are still lacking that. So I put here tactical adjustments. Yeah, and, and that's something that Valverde didn't have. Some uh, A lot of times we were watching, uh, this happens to me, uh, during the Valverde era, and I'm like, okay, it's time to make a move. This is not working. This is it, it's minute sixty already. You, it's time to do it now. And uh, substitutes just came like I don't know, twenty minutes later than they should have been. And this is something that didn't happen with Luis Enrique. Even even not even making moves, just with the guys that you had on the pitch, you can see. All right, now they're doing this. They're trying to adapt, doing this and that because Real Madrid came back from the halftime. And they had like five minutes, five good minutes starting the second half. Marcelo had a, sh- a good chance. And then you see how the team like reacted to it. Luis Enrique did something, told them something, and it just changed. Okay, now they're back in control, and now they're doing whatever they were doing before. So, yes, this is something very specific from Luis Enrique, just the way he's, he looked at details and, all right, let's fix this because this is not working. And and I think that's that's awesome. And Obviously, with Valverde and Setien, I think they play very similar. Setien tried to do something different with the three-man defense and yeah. the wings and whatever, but that didn't last very much. I mean, that was like maybe two games. And then yeah. he was like, "No, you know what? Valverde maybe was right. This is the best, maybe this is the, way, the best way to play with this team right now. <laughs> yeah. We talked about the pressing defense, and the opposite of that would be Ronaldo. Ronaldo did not press once in this match. And... For me, Nostalgic Corner is seeing lifeless, blaming, <laughs> crying Ronaldo. Because I just think, you know, I respect his talent and his productivity. But as a player on my team, I would never want him on my team just because of the attitude of the way he portrays, especially in the Iniesta goal, where he just looks around and he starts to try to point fingers at the defense. <laughs> I mean, I love when that when it goes right to his face. Yeah, and <laughs> you know who's responsible for that a lot? Danny Alves. He, he, I mean, he yeah. was definitely uh, shorter than him for sure. Yep. But he would fight every ball. He would just be right by him, just bothering him. And I think that that was a great work by Danny Alves because that's maybe something you don't watch. I mean, you're obviously watching the, the ball or whatever it goes. Yeah, yeah. But when if you focus on Cristiano, you always see Danny Alves close to him. Yep. Very similar to the Carlos Puyol against Figo thing, without yep. being a, a personal defense stuff. But I think that's that's a that's a key point. Ronaldo didn't have a good match, and he didn't even move no. to the other band or, or or to the midfield to do something. He just yeah. stayed there by the line, just waiting for his chance. And whenever he had, because he had a couple of shots by the end of the game, he didn't even finish it as a goal. So it was a poor performance by by Ronaldo. They Madridistas will focus on Danilo, but Ronaldo didn't have a good game. Yeah, either. yeah, yeah. I think also this is a transition where Ronaldo starts to become more of the number nine, yeah. right? Where he's not floating back to midfield as much and he was more stagnant, mm-hmm. you know? And so that happened. Now, the other one we want to talk about is Iniesta's performance. You know, in that season, they were starting to talk about the decline of Iniesta. And, you know, it was it was apparent, you know, he wasn't able to keep the high level week in and week out. However, it's a big game, big match, and again, he was in it to win it, and he showed up in this match. Yeah, remember, we don't have Xavi anymore at this point, Yeah. so this is Iniesta's team right now. I mean, yeah. Of course, we have Messi, but this, like as a leadership and playmaker in the midfield, this is Iniesta's team. And it, it's just great watching him just going for just hard at every ball in midfield and just being dominant, and you see Modric just suffering cross, just doesn't know what to do. James... I mean, he was just not at the same level as Iniesta that day. And and it's so great because even when he comes out and, and 
and this is a great moment. He's he even gets a standing ovation from Bernabeu, mm -hmm. which is something that doesn't happen very often. I mean, I remember Ronaldinho getting one in that zero three, and when he scored two crazy, awesome goals. But goals, yeah. it doesn't happen very often, and no. of course, it's not going to happen ever with Messi. Maybe when he retires. Uh, but I don't know. And no, it happened not. with, uh, well, I don't know. I doubt it too, <laughs> but maybe. And then Iniesta just gets, I mean, just recognition from the public. You know what? It was just a great game. And Andres, there you go. Here are your claps. Even though some, some people were booing too because yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they, they were just frustrated because it was 0-3. They were just getting smashed by Barcelona at home. But it was just so great even having the recognition from Madrid fans. Like, All right. You beat us today. I think also the other thing, too, is that you can never take away that World Cup goal. Yeah. And Madridistas are Spanish people. Yeah, of course. And so, so that is the other thing, you know. Even though he is a Barca player, he did win him the World Cup. And so, again, you know, even Madridistas like him. Yeah, you that, know? that's and in the so back of their minds. But that, that, uh, yeah. that doesn't happen with Piqué, though. He won the World Cup, I too. know, I know. But Iniesta <laughs> literally scored the goal. I mean, yeah, he literally true, scored true. the goal. That's it. All right, let's break down the goals. Now, these were some great goals. Uh, the first one was scored by Suarez in the 11th minute. Now, let's break down this play. Sergio Roberto, again, we were talking about his free reign. Mm -hmm. And again, this started this. So he had the free reign, confused Madrid all game long. He gets a pass from Busquets about 15 yards away from the halfway line, cuts to the middle. Uh, he finds a gap, basically goes untouched. And what I don't understand is Ramos comes out to challenge him for whatever reason. Yeah. I have no idea because he was still 30 yards away from goal. Like it's not, I mean, he's coming, but you still have the flat four. It wasn't Roberto against Ramos or one of you. Yeah. And he's going to the so, left and he's not a lefty. So you can just stay exactly. there and wait for him to go to the right. Exactly. So Ramos comes and checks him, which leaves Suarez exposed. And then Roberto makes a really great through ball. And I think the finish was excellent by Suarez because, again, he could have just done a normal right finish. But, no, he did this kind of in-swing type of shot, which was able to beat Navas in the far left corner. Yeah, very beautiful touch with the outside of the foot. It was just awesome the way he, he decided to finish that play. And this is one of the plays that you can see how or why I don't consider Ramos one of the best defenders of all time because this is a very, a very basic play. You have number nine right by you. Don't leave him alone just because some guy's coming across. I mean, you yeah. still have two or three guys to, to try to cover him. And, I mean, Suarez's movement is also great because he, he gets a little bit more space in the, in the box. But it's, it's just, uh, I think it's, this is Ramos' fault. Yeah, if, totally. if you want to blame somebody in this goal, if you're a Madridista fan, I mean, it's, it's Ramos. Yeah. If you, if you're a Barca fan, you're like, oh my god, what a great play by Sergio Roberto, <laughs> and it was. But yeah. if Ramos just stays where he's supposed to be, that doesn't happen. He left Veron in no man's land yeah. because Veron saw Suarez and he was going. He was wondering what is Ramos doing. Yeah, yeah. So, but he did this all game long. I mean, this wasn't. You know, we missed opportunities because Ramos kept trying to check up for I don't know for whatever reason. Anyway, let's go into the <laughs> Neymar goal. This was scored right before halftime, the 39th minute. This has really started with the pressing. Mm -hmm. And the team defense, you know, basically Suarez is hounding Modric, creates a turnover. Busquets one passes to Rakitic, who one passes it up the line to Iniesta, and then the break is on. They're on the counter. And with this play, Iniesta makes this great move, basically like in Top Gun in the movie where he just puts the air brakes. Yeah. And they both Modric and Cruz fly by right by him. He goes onto the left side towards the middle, and he just makes this cheeky little through ball chip thing going on. Mm -hmm. And finds Neymar, and Neymar just basically makes a hard pass past Novice's diving hands again. The play, the moment for me was the Iniesta play, right? The, to beat those two guys and not only do that, but then also carry through with that really cheeky through ball. Yeah, and, it, and we were kind of lucky in that play because Navas uh, get, kind of gets a hand on the ball. But the mm -hmm. ball just goes under him, and it's a, it's a goal for, for Barca. But it was, it was that point of the game when... Okay, Barca was so dominant, but the game was still 1-0, and then they were going to the halftime. So this is a perfect moment to just, you know what? We are very superior, and this is the second goal, and it was Neymar. Like like we, like I told you, it was the time for Neymar to, all right, to show that this is a team that he can lead, scoring goals too. And that was great. Of course, the, the play by Iniesta was, was just spectacular. And and I liked what you said there about the, the one-touch thing because that's a key, that's a key uh, tool for Barca players when, when, they are, when they're on. You can see when they're on, when they're like, all right, one-touch, 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 chance. Yeah. 
and, and that's yeah. what happened here. And there, there's a very similar play that didn't end up in, in a goal at the end of the first half that Neymar goes to the band and then he crosses to, to, to Suarez and Suarez just couldn't finish it. And, and Marcelo, well, he finished it, but Marcelo Ron, was yeah, there save, to yeah. save it. But it was a very similar play. And I think this is, this was a perfect symphony with Iniesta and Neymar that I wish mm-hmm. we could have enjoyed a little bit longer. Exactly. Again, the one-touch passing that covered basically 40 yards in two seconds, Mm -hmm. you know, and it really caught Madrid on the counter. Now, this is one of the goals, the third goal. If I were introducing a new football fan to introduce him to Barca, (laughs) I would show them this goal because this, to me, is an obra de arte. It's a chef's kiss, right? It is just a master class of understanding, movement, technique, passing, everything you would, you know, as a footballer, you wish you could do this in a game, let alone in a Classico. <laughs> so let's start it off, right? Again, you know, watching these rewatchables, we see how good Rakitic was. You know, you, people do forget, especially now that they yeah. Twitter hate him right now. <laughs> but anyway, Rakitic starts yeah, but the you, play. They, they Twitter hate him, but it, in Camp No, they still love him. Because yeah, I, I still love him. Yeah, I, me too. I still I, love him. I just I want better. You know, I want him to be in a better position. But anyway, <laughs> um, so basically, Rakitic starts his play. He goes down the middle, and basically, they're just kind of doing an, an X, mm-hmm. right? I mean, Rakitic is going in the middle, and then Iniesta comes the other way. He finds him, and then Ramos is defending on this is atrocious. I mean, thank God, <laughs> right? Because this basically opens the play. He doesn't pass Neymar off to Varane. He follows. Neymar Neymar, at the top of the box, right? Neymar does a good enough job of sealing Ramos on his right. And he basically does a Cruyff behind pass. You know, it's like a soft. And Iniesta, you can just see him running onto it. And he one-times it, upper 90, right foot, top of the box, (laughs) unsavable. And I, like I said, when I was watching this, I jumped out. And, you know, that is why I love this club, because they provide goals like this where it's jaw-dropping. And this goal, especially in the, the Spanish commentators, they were basically speechless of how beautiful this goal was. They were like, oh, que golazo! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was so great. And it was, uh, like we said, it's very similar to the first play when you see a guy going to the left, but he's not going to shoot it because Neymar could, didn't have the angle to actually go to the left and shoot it. That would be the only reason why a defender would go after him. Sure. So, so Ramos just, he just, he just bites. That, that's yeah. it. I mean... He just went after Neymar. He probably thought, okay, Neymar's going to try to do some play here or whatever. And then Iniesta just comes free and, and gets this goal. And I think it was it was great for him because he was he was being one of the best in the game. So I think yeah. with this goal, it just, all right, he deserved just, all right, he, you're going to score this goal. And it was, like I told you, it's probably his most uh, beautiful goal yeah. because... I mean, the one in Stamford is it's very beautiful and it's very important yeah. for Barca. But I think this one, the collective play, the the whole, the entire thing that went on between players and then the finish, I think this is his best goal because that one in, in Stamford Bridge is just desperate. We're trying to get a goal, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then all right, he gets the passing, he just shoots it, flips and it, whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's a goal. And okay, we go crazy, but this one is just like you said, like a art. All right, here you go, pass, flip, and then Neymar just. Beautiful touch, and here you go, just a bomb from Neymar, so from Iniesta. Yeah. So, yes, it's just a great goal. Yeah, and again, I would say also the Ramos defending, also Marcelo having the bad spacing. He left so much space between him and Ramos that allowed this. So, again, back to bad defending. Now let's finish off with the last goal. This was Suarez's brace, and it came in the 74th minute. And Messi had just come in as a sub, and he was basically free-floating as a number 10. Yeah. And this has confused Madrid even more because they didn't know who to cover now. Because uh, basically, Neymar and Suarez kept their formation as the top two. Mm-hmm. And Messi started it. He comes in. He gives a great through ball. Again, you just see develop. He, he cuts it through two people. And for whatever reason, Alejandro, Jordi Alba is in the center. I, I, was, I, had, to, I had to watch his play yeah. four times to finally pick up who that player was because you can see Neymar all by himself because Carvajal is trying to defend Jordi Alba. Yeah, again, yeah. poor defending, poor tactics again, but it helped us. Jordi Alba one times through to Suarez, who's perfectly onside. And maybe a year ago, Suar, or a year before this, Suarez hamfoots this and does not finish it. But... He's able to get Navas down to the ground and finish it and gets his brace. And it's 
basically game set Guillermo for Barca. Yeah, and the, I, this is the kind of pass talking about Messi that it doesn't count as an assist, but it should because it just clears the play and ju just gives Alba, who was in the false nine position for whatever reason, and we can talk about it in a little bit. And then just this kind of pass for Messi, it's it's not an assist in the in the sheets, but it should sure. be like in our minds if if you love soccer because he was just covered by three or four Real Madrid players in the midfield, and then he just gets the ball in the perfect moment to give Alba a chance to to get the pass to Suarez, and and I think it's just understanding like like we said as a team, understanding whatever you are, you know what to do. I mean, yeah. if Sergio Roberto was there, he was probably going to do the same thing or try to at least. At least yeah. And then Alba finds himself. And that's the only thing he could have done because he, he's a lefty. He's coming from yeah. left to right. He's yeah. he's not in his natural position. So that's the only thing you can do to help the team. And he did it perfectly. And I think it was a, a very beautiful goal. He Suarez also had the, the opportunity to give it to Neymar if he wanted. Yep. He didn't, he said, you know what? No, it's my time. So here you go. Yeah. And it, yeah. at Navas, I think it's the perfect picture of what Real Madrid was that day because he's like, okay, I'm standing, I'm waiting. And then he just yeah. he just fell on his butt. Yeah. And he's like, oh. <laughs> and he just couldn't hold yeah. it. And then Suarez just finished it. And it's, and it's great. And I think it's... It's a beautiful goal because the the way they formed it, but it's also a message for Madridistas like, all right, every, your your team is really literally on the ground right now. Yeah, I think I think it's a good message. Now let's just finish up with a couple talking points. The first one I have here is just we kind of touched about it about the super team, right? And we're kind of going through this now with our team is that we're continually trying to bring all these free agents at high price. And if we've ever seen it in any, you know, in every sport, essentially, baseball, basketball, mm -hmm. football, obviously world football here, it's impossible to sign every best player. It's physically impossible, right? right? The super teams are great teams and have great runs because not only do they have great talent, but they have good chemistry. But you also have to have the mixture of the hardworking players that have been through the system along with the mixture of both, right? Right. And I think this Real Madrid team is a classic example of trying to sign all these top players and they just have no chemistry. Yeah, and even the the public there at, at Bernabeu, they were even chanting Florentino Dimisión. They wanted him yeah. to just quit because even though he, he bought the players, the, whoever who could be at that point uh, the greatest player available. And yeah. why are you blaming the president? You should maybe blame <laughs> the, the, the coach because he couldn't find a way to to put them together and to find a way to find an actual team, an actual soccer team, and not just uh, uh, the best of the league eleven or whatever. So I think this is a, a very important message for what Barcelona is going through now. Just trying to maybe trust a little bit more on your guys, the Albas, the the Sergio Robertos. Yeah, who, the youth system. Right? I mean, they're not they're not the stars. They're not Neymar. They're not Suarez. Who, who yeah. are also important, like you said, but they help you win these type of games because they understand what the team is about. And that's yeah. what I feel like that Real Madrid team didn't have at that point. And that's what, and we're probably going to talk about it in a little bit, that's what Zidane did right after Benitez left, after this game. Yeah. He, found, he, he came to a team that was very good in paper, and he was like, okay, I need to find a way to make these guys play with each other because right yeah. now they're just trying to get goals by themselves it looked like and and it's not gonna happen i mean let's let's go right into that i mean i mean essentially yeah this madrid team wins the champions league at the end of the season mm -hmm. which to me is appalling and incredible because you watch this match and you're just like how did they even qualify and get through this because they did not look like they wanted to play and obviously zuzu came in the real number 10. <laughs> <laughs> he was a number 10, yes. He was a number 10. He came in and he focused more on just getting the team to follow and be together. And I think that was a huge thing. He didn't have to, you know, he's not known as a tactical genius or he wasn't doing new tricks or anything like this. But the best thing he did was just try to assimilate the team and just get him to focus on one goal. And they were able to get the Champions League. Obviously, Barca finished with La Liga and Copa. And again, we had a horrendous showing against Atletico Madrid in the Champions League at the end of the season. Yeah, and this is this is the final that actually Atletico Madrid loses in in penalty mm -hmm. kicks at the end, of, yep. and, and with the Noventa Ramos goal yep. and whatever, which I still can't believe how they can guard Ramos in that corner. I know. And and when you when you look at this season, you're like, okay, Barcelona should have been in that final instead of Atletico, Correct. right? And you were talking to me about this this. Uh, 
game that or games that we had against Atletico de Madrid, who are very good at doing this, just getting, even though they're not the best team, they get yep. through somehow. We saw it against Liverpool this season. They were, I mean, somehow they kicked Liverpool out of the Champions League, even though Liverpool is the, yep, it's yep. the best team in the world right now. And they did that with this Luis Enrique team. And I feel bad yep. because it, this would have been awesome. Having a, a, a rematch with Real Madrid in the Champions League final would have been great. And, yeah. I mean, we have to give Zidane credit. He was a great leader. I don't know if he's the best doing the tactics or whoever did it back uh, in the day or nowadays yeah. when he coaches Real Madrid. But he did find a way to, all right, let's play as a team and let's win titles, which is what at the end people care about and yeah. that champions league or this season just started the decline of barcelona in champions league because oh, we right. are we, we i mean we haven't won it since since yeah. luis enrique won it at that point and maybe yeah. that's a sad part of this game because this is probably our highest point and then yep. we never performed at this level, exactly. especially in Champions League and especially against rivals like Real Madrid. Yeah, I mean, take away La Liga out of the side. Yeah. You know, if we're just talking the Champions League run and elite of performances, yeah. this is one of the last ones because the Valverde era comes and we have a couple games that first season that, you know, we do all right with La Liga. But again, you know, they're very few and far between. Now, my last question for you. Mm-hmm. Now, we, we kind of had a mini debate about this. Are we sure that Tony Cruz is good? <laughs> yeah, well, like like I told you, I think he's a he's a very good player. He's an awesome player, like a, a very good midfielder, and he didn't have a very good game against Barcelona in this zero four. Like, uh, I mean, Modric didn't have a good game, or Hamis didn't have a good game, even though he was probably the one of the most uh, insistent guys on the pitch. Uh, like I told you before the show, like. Every time you watch a, a, a Real Madrid header, a goal, an important goal, an important play, Tony Cross is somewhere around there uh, related to that play. So I think that's why uh, Real Madrid fans like him so much because he has that special touch. He's maybe, he's not the fastest. He's not going to dribble two or three guys to get around and make a great pass, but he does have that little touch and he's very good crossing the ball. And that's that's why maybe he's considered elite, or he was considered elite at at, at some point uh, before uh, Germany was out of the World Cup and Real Madrid started falling out, even though they they won three Champions League. And I think they won three Champions League because in part because of what Cross brought to the table. Mm. So I think that's why I, I see I see your own, I want to listen to what what you, what you had to say about him, Matt. I I think he gets <laughs> lost a bunch of times and you just assume that he had a good game because they won because mm-hmm. he didn't mess up. I think that's part of the problem. Now, you say long balls and crosses. I think he doesn't assist very much. Mm-hmm. Like where you say, wow, he's a, a league leader and assist every year, so he's doing that. He doesn't really score that many goals. He's paired up with Modric. Okay, fine. But again, if you take away the Brazil performance, that 2014 World Cup performance. Yeah, they won seven. Because I watch, I watch, unfortunately, I watch a lot of Real Madrid games because I always like to see the, what they're doing and so forth. And when I'm watching. I think all Barca fans watch him. They yeah, just yeah, of don't course. say it. <laughs> yeah. So especially like this season and the season before. Yeah. Yeah, he does enough to hold the ball and not make mistakes. I think that's what you can say really about him. And OK, that's fine. But like over the top as an elite midfielder, I just don't even think of him. Even if I was making three teams, three starting 11s, he wouldn't even make him my <laughs> starting midfield. So I think you have to revisit his stats and just see his assists per season and so forth. Because I don't think they're that great and I don't think he's that good. I think he's above average, don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. And there's something to be said that he doesn't make mistakes. I think that's very German of him. Yeah. But at the same time... For example, I would take Modric over him. I would take so many other midfielders over him before I would have to choose him. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's a good point. And he had Modric and Casemiro by him to help him a little mm-hmm. bit in, in that run for Real Madrid. So I guess that could be a point. And he has Valverde nowadays. So that they maybe cover a little bit of, of what he yeah. does wrong. But but I, I, I see why they, why Real Madrid fans like him. I, I mean, they won three Champions League for a reason. I, I don't think that's... I know, I I know but I mean, he really today, didn't yeah. do that much, you know? Yeah, like, I mean. I, like I said, there's, there's something to be said mm-hmm. about not making mistakes. Yeah. There's something to be said, especially in midfield, right? A person who can control the ball and not do it. But also, if you're paying a player at this money and you think he's elite... He should have more presence, especially in a lot of games. I, I can't remember a classical where he's actually 
done something amazing or had a great game. We're like, wow, that's the Tony Crows game. Yeah, I think <laughs> we can agree. Uh, we can agree on this. If we, if you compare, okay, Iniesta, Xavi, and Busquets, and you compare Cross, Modric, and Casemiro, you always take the the Barcelona midfield. Yeah, of course. And that's for a reason because that they're not at the same level as these guys. So I see what you're I saying. Understand. Yeah. Anyway, we'll we'll finish with that. I just I just thought it was an interesting question to pose. That's it. So, uh, thanks to everyone for listening. We'll have more episodes of Classic FC Barcelona matches coming out. Still, obviously, since we're going through this global pandemic. Until next time, Visco Barça. Visco Barça. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.